Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. One of our series called Joy to the World. It is holiday season. Uh, you're about to go this week and eat some turkey, um, hang out with some family. After that, it just, the holiday season comes quick, doesn't it? I was in Starbucks like two weeks ago, and it was like I was there one day, and it was normal. And then the next day, boom, Christmas had just just blowed up all over the place. And so I thought, but how early is it? And so anyway, Christmas just gets earlier and earlier. Now Black Friday's even earlier. I don't care about Black Friday. It's just Black November. It's just as soon as we can get y'all in here spending money. And so it's holiday time, and it's what we consider the most wonderful time of the year. We sing songs like Joy to the World, but here's here's my hope for you is that you actually discover what true and lasting joy is. Can I get an amen? Because I think we're on the quick fix sometimes. We're on like the culture drip, and we're trying to find that quick fix to some some temporary happiness, and then we end up end up having to run from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to try to get one more shot of temporary happiness, all while deep on the inside of us, we we actually are longing for something more. And, and the reason why I know that is because as Americans who live, and I think the greatest time in the history of the world with the greatest advancements and the greatest technologies and the, the, the greatest luxuries that the world has ever known, we have every reason to be pretty happy and pretty grateful and pretty joyous and there's so many great things that we can look at and yet we lead the world, even though our country is so incredibly prosperous, we lead the world in antidepressants. I want you to let that sink in. Like we consume more antidepressants even per percentage than any other people group on the planet. Now that doesn't make no sense. Todd, how is it that we have all the luxuries and all the pleasures and all the technologies and all the advancements and yet with something is wrong on the inside? And I would say it's because we got trapped. We got duped into finding temporary happiness and actually we traded in deeper, lasting joy. And that's what I want to help you discover today. And so over the next few weeks, we are going to dive into what actually is considered the book on joy. Like the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Philippians. Now, if you don't know who the Apostle Paul is, he literally is a traveling missionary. He's a follower of Christ that literally, if you go to the back of your Bible where the maps are, there's all these missionary journeys, that's him. And so on his second missionary journey, he goes to the city of Philippi. And that's not the Philippians, or that's not the Filipinos, that's the Philippians and Philippi. That's different, right? So the, the, the Philippians is where he went to and he started a little church, a little Jesus community. And so then what he did was he just, after he was there for a, a number of months, he would go on to the next city and go on and go on. But this church was so awesome. This was his favorite church. Like people say you shouldn't have favorites. Well, he had favorites and this was his favorite church. And they were so kind and they were so supportive. As a matter of fact, they actually gave generously to help his missionary journey. And so the book of Philippians was written several years after he planted the church. And it was written as a thank you love letter. Like you guys are awesome. Like big thanks to you. You guys are so incredible. So, so a lot of times when the apostle Paul, we got to remember this. He never thought to myself, Hey, let me sit down and write some Bible today. That's not what he thought. He thought, hey, I'm going to write to my friends. And then we glean from that now when we look at that as sacred, right? And so when he was writing this, when you you look at the way he wrote to the Galatians, he's like fixing how religious they are. When he writes to the Corinthians, he's fixing how pagan and crazy they are. Like, no, you can't get drunk at communion. Stop it. Put that down. But, But Philippians is just like, 
you guys are awesome. And it's just kind of, he just opens up his heart. And in doing so, I don't think he intended to, but in doing so, he reveals to you a blueprint to how to find lasting joy. As a matter of fact, it's got four chapters to it. So this is my big plan for you. Go read the book of Philippians just over these next four weeks. Just keep reading it. Like you can literally just one chapter a day, just keep reading it over and over and over again because it has four chapters. And what he really reveals to you is, is that there's this issue when it comes to your joy and your circumstances. That's chapter one. Because he starts telling you about his circumstances and where he's at in life. And what he shows you is, is that the way that you approach your circumstances will either produce joy or burden. And then it goes on in chapter two and he starts talking about how actually how you see yourself and how you see other people and how you relate to other people. How you handle that can either produce joy or it can produce burden. And then the third chapter is how you approach really spirituality and religion and theology and God, how that can be burden. Or that can be joy. And then lastly, he just gets into, it's going to be good. Just get up in here the next few weeks. It's going to be fantastic. And so, but before we get into to the, to the message of what he says, let me help define for you what I'm saying, because I want you to be clear on this. God does not want you to be happy as you define happy. God wants you to be happy as he defines happy. Again, not that temporary thing, because most of us, what we do is, if things are going good, we're happy. If things are going bad, we're happy. If we had a good day, we're happy. If we had a bad day, we're happy. If my husband actually picked his underwear up off the floor, I'm happy. If he didn't, I'm angry. You know, and so what we do is, is we ride this emotional roller coaster depending on what's going around us and what our circumstances are, or how good we slept that night, and that is producing our level of joy or happiness. But this is what we're talking about. We're talking about a joy that includes lasting joy, peace, and satisfaction. Something that's not really happening around you as much as it's probably happening inside of you. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. So if you got your Bible, Philippians chapter 1, verse number 12, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What has happened to him? Well, on his missionary journey, Paul gets into trouble. Usually he shows up and either there's a revival or a riot, sometimes both. He ends up making lots of people angry in life, and he gets thrown into prison. So a lot of the letters that he writes, it's he's writing out of default. Like, I think he would have just traveled and gone there, but he's stuck in prison, so he's like, well, I guess I'll just write a letter. I'm kind of bored. So that's what's really going on here. And he's saying that what has happened to me, getting locked up, has actually served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it's become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy or rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Now, here's what I think's going on. I actually think he, he's, he's got an inside joke going on or inside language going on. They know who he's talking about. We have no idea who he's talking about. But my guess is, is that in their region or in their city or in their group, there's a little bit of like, there's a little bit of rivalry. There's some type of weird competition going on. There's some preacher that's like angry at another preacher and there's something going on. So he's hinting at something here. We just don't know what it is. He goes, the latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincere, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? Everybody say what? Everybody say what does it matter? Yeah, yeah. Everybody say what? 
What does it matter? So he's talking about his circumstances, being in prison, people being weird. What does it matter? The import, everybody say the important thing. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or even true motives, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. And so, again, he's just talking. You notice, like, he's just, he's just talking. That's all this letter is so far. He gets more teachy later, but right now he's just talking. He goes, man, I'm in prison. But you know what? It's kind of working out. Like, you ever met people that are half glass empty people? This is always bad. No matter what happens, it's always bad. Paul is a half glass full guy. He's like, hey, I'm in prison, but it's working out. <laughs> I'm in prison. I'm actually chained to a wall, but guess what? The other prisoners, they can't go anywhere, so even if they don't like my sermons, they can't even leave, so I get to preach the gospel to other prisoners, and guess what? I get a new guard every four hours. It's crazy, and he can't go anywhere either, so I get to preach to him the gospel, so really, we're just all getting saved up in here, and I'm just helping people, and that's, you know... I'm just making the best of a bad situation here. And he's like, and the people outside, they're all like rooting me on and they're all emboldened. You know, it's like, it's just all good. So really what Paul's saying here that he doesn't even have to say, you just glean from it is this, is that lasting joy is not found in perfect circumstances. There are no perfect circumstances. They don't exist. Paul's in prison. I I guarantee you, that is not the way that he pictured his afternoon, right? That's not the way he thought. You know when you write your five-year plan, like where do you see yourself in five years? I'm going to be in prison. I'm going to preach to prisoners and guards and... Yeah, I'll just make the best of it. I bet you, I bet you, because when you start off doing things for God, you're like, it's going to go great. God is with me. It's going to be awesome. Then you're in prison, there are no perfect circumstances. You right now feel like you're in a prison. Maybe you're like, my marriage is a prison. My financial situation's a prison. Like, Todd, you don't know my life. And I'm just telling you, there are no. And this is a guy that wrote about joy from a prison cell. As a matter of fact, when you, when you look at all of his writings, he uses the word joy about 30 different times in his writings. And most of his writings came from within a prison cell. If you look at the rest of his resume, I mean, he was beaten up. He was stoned to death. He was shipwrecked. He was, he's got a weird life, a crazy life, a hard life, a difficult life. And yet he has still found joy, which means that when you look at your life, no matter how bad the circumstances are, Paul's encouragement to you is this. You can still find joy even in dark circumstances. I'm just telling you that it's there. As a matter of fact, I read the most fascinating story. It is about, in the 1970s, there was a Vietnamese interpreter for Christian missionaries. So evangelists and missionaries would come to, to Vietnam, and they would, and again, you got to go back and think about the time period, and you had North Vietnam, South Vietnam, and this is what's going on. He's an interpreter, and people are getting saved by the thousands. People are coming to Christ, and people are, it, it's an incredible thing. Well, he eventually gets thrown into prison. And while in prison, the way the Viet Cong did it was they took their prisoners, especially this guy, and they fed them nothing but like communist anti-God propaganda just every single day, just shoving it down their throat. And so eventually he begins to doubt. He begins to question because they're like, hey, this is what the West wants and they're trying to manipulate you. And it was, it was, it was hard on him over a period of time. He's imprisoned. And so eventually he, he has this moment as he tells the story. He said, I had this moment where I was like, you know what? Maybe it was all fake. None of it was real. You know what? Today, this is what he said to himself. This is the first day that I will not pray. And it just happened to be that he was given latrine duty that day. If you don't know what latrine duty is, it's gross. You're cleaning out toilets. 
And so he's cleaning out these, these toilets and he, as he's cleaning it out, he finds this piece of paper in there with English writing on it, covered in filth. And he actually, what is this? And he starts wiping it away. And the first thing that he reads is Romans chapter eight. And he begins to read because, and, and you know what the scripture in Romans chapter eight that he read was, is that we know that in all things, God works together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. And he said, I read those words and I just began to weep and to cry. And he goes, God, I see that you are orchestrating my circumstances, even when it doesn't appear that way. And so sure enough, what had happened was, is that he had read these words. He had prayed that day. He had, he had turned back to God. And he, and so what he discovered was, he goes, man, somebody, somebody threw the Bible away as refuse. And so he went to his commanding officer, the guy in charge and said, can you put me on latrine duty tomorrow? As a matter of fact, just keep me on latrine duty. And every day he started scrapping away pieces of the Bible because some officer had used the Bible as a form of refuse. And he starts slowly putting together the pages of scripture. It is insane, this story. Well, eventually he gets released from prison and then he makes a decision that he's going to escape. And so he gets together a plan and some people. He's got like 50 people in himself and they got a boat and they're going to escape. And so this is what happens though. So these, these police officers come. And they knock on his door and they say, hey, we hear you're trying to escape. Is that true? And he's like, no, of course not. No, not at all. <laughs> and uh, it's, But after they leave, he feels bad. And he's like, I lied to them. I would have lied. Anyway, he lies to them. And then he goes, you know what? I, if they come back again, I'll tell them the truth. So sure enough, a couple days later, these guys come back, knock on the door, say, hey, we're, we hear you're planning an escape. Is that true? He goes, yeah, it's true. They said, good, we want to go with you. So these four officers plus uh, this gentleman and then then the 50 other people that they get on these boats and start to and, and what's crazy in his story is he goes, there was such an incredible storm at sea that the the, 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 the police officers had a Navy background and he goes, We're, they're the only reason we survived. I mean, just the most incredible thing. But none of these circumstances make sense. None of these circumstances are good. None of the, This is never the way that we would draw it up. But yet you keep finding God even in the dirty details. You keep finding God at work even when you, you, you think all hope is lost and all things are bad and there can't be any good out of this. And yet God keeps drawing good out of it. Again, it's proof that lasting joy is not found in perfect circumstances. So this is what I want you to do. To find joy in any circumstance, here's what I want you to do. Stop asking why. And start asking what? Because have you noticed when things are bad, this is what we do. Why God? Why? Why me? Why would you do this to me? Por que Dios? Por que? You know, that Spanish soap opera. My bad. So you just, you just get so internal. You get so just focused on yourself because you go, why? 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 You get, you, where, where's the attention? It's on me. And the apostle, remember he said what? Everybody say what? Don't ask what? Or don't ask why. Ask what? Here's what you might ask. Now what? For big things, say now what? And for the small things, you say, so what? Because I don't want to diminish certain things that are so heavy and so difficult. I don't want you to just to say, so what? To everything. But let's be honest, there's some insignificant thing. Like I was talking to a married couple and this married couple was like, I'm so angry with him because of the way that he does the pillows on the couch. And I'm like, are you tripping? You're tripping. That's a so what. But you know, when you get a a sickness or a disease or a death or something, a a, a major burden in life, that's not a so what. 
I don't want to minimize what you're going through, but it's a now what? Here's the now what? Now what is God's plan? That's what you're asking yourself. Now what does God want to show me? Now what does what God want to do through this? Now you've changed your perspective. Now you're looking at your circumstances, not something as, that is something against you, but actually that's something that God is going to use. Now I can begin to find the joy. I can begin to find God's purpose. I can begin to find the meaning in it. Not because I'm just why, 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 why me? But now I'm asking God, what are you up to? So again, for the big things you say, now what? And for the little things you say, so what? You know, sometimes we let, because is the deal. Some of us let the littlest things in life rob us of our joy. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, you are angry for hours. You get a flat tire, you're like, God, why are you against me? No, you need to rotate your tires. One time I was talking to somebody about this idea of not being hung up on temporary things, just little circumstances and little things that happen to you. And then sure enough, um, have you ever had like you back into somebody? You hear that crunch sound and it devastates your heart. Let me make matters worse. This is what I was literally earlier in the day telling somebody about joy. No matter what, don't let the little things in life destroy your joy. I backed into my own car. Yeah, my wife, I was in, I was jumping into her vehicle and I never park in the driveway. I park on the street. And for some weird reason, I think I couldn't park on the street. So I was like, well, I'll just quick park in the driveway and there's a slope to it, right? So she's up high and then there's a slope where my car is and I get into her car and I go to back out thinking I'll just jam out of here. No big deal or whatever. And there's never anything in the driveway and crunch. I hit my own car. It's bad enough when you hit somebody else's car. Imagine hitting your own car. It's doubly bad. Somebody just said, amen. You did that too. Praise the Lord. I'm not alone. So anyway, but, but here's, but here's the thing. That was years ago. It's just not a big deal. It was years ago. I've recovered. You know, it was years ago. I'd forgotten about it. Cause sometimes in life you have to ask yourself, so what? Like, so what will this matter in 10 years from now? Like you hit your own car. I know it stings. It's terrible. You're annoyed. I know you cussed. It's okay. It's not going to matter in 10 years. Will it? It just becomes a great story in about three years. Can you think, I want you to remember the last time that you had a sleepless night where you were so worked up and so angry about something. Now ask yourself this question. Will that matter in three years? Probably not. If it will, it's a now what? If it won't matter, it's a so what? So what does this mean in light of eternity? You ever ask yourself that question? But Todd, he messed up the pillows on the couch. You're tripping. It won't matter. I promise it won't. So what is really important now? That's the big question. So when it comes to the big things you ask, now what? When it comes to the little things you ask, so what? This is not, this is not a big deal. But so many times, think about it. We let the things, our circumstances in life rob us of our joy. That's the first thing that he shows you. The second thing that he shows you is this is not only are, 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 is there no joy in perfect circumstances. The next thing he shows you is this, is that there's no lasting joy in temporary things. It's just not there either. Because when you look at what he said in that little, in that little two paragraphs that we read, he he points number one to his circumstances, but then he points to the gospel. He points to people, meaning this, 
Joy is not found in temporary things. It's found in eternal things, lasting things, important things. Like people last forever. The gospel is a forever thing. This is a life-changing, life-altering. This is a forever thing. Like our focus doesn't go on our prison cell and our, our temporary circumstances. It goes on to bigger, eternal kind of things. As a matter of fact, we, we, we know this to be true. And you, if you'll just be honest with yourself, many of us fall into this trap of, well, if I could just live in that house, if I could just buy that car, if I could just take that vacation, if I could just shop in those stores, we think all these temporary things will create happiness in us. But here's what you know to be true. So many of those things that you longed for five years ago, you got now. And now you just long for new things. All you did was take happiness and kick it down the road. And then you go chasing it. And then you kick it down the road. And you never find it. That's the problem with culture. That's the problem with the world that we live in. Is that the way that the world talks about happiness is that it promises so much. And yet it delivers so little. If if joy were really found in the accumulation of temporary things the happiest people on earth would be the richest people on earth. It's not true. That's why we're on so many antidepressants. It's, it's not working. It didn't make us happy. As a matter of fact, if, 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 the, if, if they were true, the happiest people on earth would be lottery winners. Well, I went from having nothing. I wanted everything. I got everything now. But it, it, go look at the studies. Every person, for the most part, that wins the lottery, with the exception of a couple of weird few, they end up depressed. They end up divorced. Many of them end up suicidal. Most of them end up broke. Why? That stuff don't work. And don't get me wrong. I'd rather you have like lasting joy with money than have lasting joy and be broke. I mean, I'm, I'm there with you, but it's not in the accumulation of stuff. It's not in the accumulation of things. History proves that to us when we look at how people live their lives. Listen, Solomon figured this out the hard way. Look at what Solomon said. Ecclesiastes is this writing by an old man reflecting back on life. Listen to what he said. He goes, I said to myself, which makes you feel good if you talk to yourself, right? If you talk to yourself, we all do it. Don't worry about it. Solomon's talking to himself. So, so, so I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also ended up proving meaningless. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and I planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired, look, I, I bought myself singers. I was so in need. I just like, will you come sing for me and I'll pay you money. That's what he says. Right? Like I acquired male and female singers and a harem as well. I won't get into that one. The delights of a man's heart. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. And all this, my wisdom stayed with me. I did not listen to this. Listen to these words. I denied myself nothing. My eyes desired. I refused my heart. No pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet, everybody say yet. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And that's powerful. You know what Solomon's saying? 
Solomon's saying, hey, that thing that we found when we study people that amass wealth, he goes, it's true. I lived it. I bought singers for crying out loud. I literally bought people just to sit around and sing to me to make me feel better. It didn't work. I had gold. I had silver. It didn't work. I had any type of sexual pleasure I wanted. It didn't work. And yet that's what we long for. And we think it'll work. And Solomon's saying, it don't work. There's no lasting joy in temporary things. Or if you're taking notes, you could put it like this. A life that is focused on making itself temporarily happily is consistently miserable. A life, I I promise you, if you want to be miserable in life and throw away all the joy, live a life that's all about you. Watch how miserable you get. As a matter of fact, there's a brilliant quote by G.K. Chesterton that said this, is that meaningless, meaninglessness does not come from being weary of pain. It comes from being weary with pleasure. Have you ever noticed if you keep consuming, consuming, consuming for yourself, for yourself, for yourself, for yourself, life gets dull and boring and meaningless and lifeless. That's why we are so desperate in our soul for something deeper. Now watch, because Paul's going to teach you where it comes from. Are you ready? So Philippians chapter 1, verse 20 and 25, we're going to read through these, these verses. He goes, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed of Jesus, but will have sufficient Courage, so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Here's what he's saying. I'm probably going to die soon. Like I'm in prison. I think they're going to kill me. So I pray that God gives me the courage to see this thing through, but I think I'm going to die, right? For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If you're looking for a new tattoo, run with that. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, meaning if they let me live, this will mean fruitful labor for me. But what do I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I really, really, really want to leave this place and go be with Jesus, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. And convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and what? Yeah, and the joy and the faith. You know what he's saying? I'm really torn here, guys. I'm in prison, but it's working out. I'm probably going to die. That's kind of working out too. Talk about glass half full. This thing's running over. He's like, hey, guess what? They're going to kill me. I'm just going to go be with Jesus. It's going to be amazing. It'll be far better than being here. But I kind of probably should stay because I've got work to do and I've got mission and I've got purpose and I've got people and I've got things to accomplish. You know what he's really saying is that Paul was torn between his two great delights, God's purpose and God's presence. He goes, I'm torn. Let me tell you why I've got so much joy. It's not found in good circumstances. There are no perfect circumstances. And it's not even found in temporary things. It's found in eternal things, big things. And and the reason why I know that is because I've discovered that life is always good when I focus on the purpose and the pleasure of God. That's where joy is found. So whether circumstances are good or bad, do I have God's presence? And do I have God's purpose? If you have those, you have joy. Because true joy is found in the pleasures of the purpose and the presence of God. As a matter of fact, there's this really cool book written by C.S. Lewis. I'd encourage you all to go read. It's called The Screwtape Letters. And it's a really creative book. C.S. Lewis is the guy that wrote the, the, all the different Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and all those books. And um, he was friends with Tolkien who wrote all the Hobbits and the Lord of the Right. They're just, just brilliant Christian minds that loved fiction. 
And so now some of his books are just brilliant nonfiction, but he wrote a, a fictional book. And the fictional book is so strange. It's a senior demon talking to like a junior demon on how to hurt and deceive people. It is the most, because when he talk, when he writes, when they refer to the enemy, the two demons are talking, they're talking about God, but they call God the enemy. It's, it's the craziest book, but it's so brilliant and so insightful. And in one of the stories where the, de- the demon is teaching the, the little demon how to deceive people, he goes, you know what your problem was? You, your problem was, is that you let him experience pleasure with God. He said, he said, you let him go on walks. Look, if he, if he's going to go on a walk, he was walking and was praying. Don't let him do that. Think he's walking because he needs exercise. Change his focus. He goes, you let him read at night. He goes, he was reading so that he could find communion and hear the voice of God. Don't do that. Make him think he's reading for knowledge and he needs to know more and be smart. He goes, you've got to change their focus. The problem was, is that you let him experience the pleasure of the presence of God in the most simple things such as reading or even taking a walk. It was like, it's such a cool book. But the point is this, is that many of us, we, we, we look for pleasures in things. We look for pleasures in our circumstances. We don't look for pleasure in the presence and the purpose of God. So here, here's a big question you have to wrestle with. Are you on purpose right now? Are you on mission right now? Are you doing something with your time and talents and gifts and treasures that make a difference in somebody else's life? If not, you're not on purpose and you're lacking some joy. If you don't have some level of presence and communion with God, I guarantee you, even if you feel like, no, I'm doing pretty good, you're still missing some level of joy that you have not reached yet. I promise it's found in the purpose and the presence of God. My greatest encouragement to you is this, get on purpose and get into God's presence. Because void of that, you will always be longing for the next quick fix the next drip, the next thing, you'll keep kicking happiness down the road, looking for you kick it and it gets further away and then you'll kick it and it gets further away and you keep longing for it. Does your life make a difference, an eternal difference in somebody else's life? If not, you've missed the point. If there's not a level of communion with God, you've missed the point. Big questions I want you to ask yourself today is this, what circumstances are you in right now that steal your joy? And that God actually might want to use for his purpose. Think about that. Because some of you right now are complaining. Let's be honest, you're complaining. You're not happy with your circumstances. You're not happy with your outcomes. I know people that have had all kinds of situations and they take them and they say, "Ah, now what God? How can I use this somehow for your purpose and your pleasure? How can I take these circumstances What are you complaining about right now circumstantially that you needed to ask the question, now what? Here's another question. Do I let little and insignificant things steal my joy? Are you, are you one of those? Are you, as soon as you got cut off in traffic, as soon as, as soon as the pillows on the couch weren't just right, as soon as whatever your little thing is, as soon as you're your little OCD, as soon as your little particularities, as soon as your little, as soon as they, did you lose your joy? Here's another one. Am I living in God's plan and purpose for my life? Or am I just simply living for the pursuit of pleasure? Like, because most of us are doing that. Most of us are just like, what, what's next for me? What can I get next for me? What can I buy next for me? What can I do next for me? And we're not on purpose. And we wonder why life lacks joy. Last question is this, is do I take delight in knowing, 
and being and communing with God. Would you bow your heads today? I want you to have joy. The apostle Paul was all about the joy. He was running around a prison cell saying, man, we're going to work this thing out. I'm going to, I'm going to advance the gospel. I'm going to help people. I'm going to connect people to their creator. I promise. Look what I'm going to, I'm going to, while in a prison in the worst of circumstances, I'm going to do something good. I'm going to do something great. I'm going to be on mission. I'm going to be on purpose. And we find it in communion with God, the presence of God, worshiping, walking, maybe reading scripture, praying, being silent. Sometimes we actually experience the presence of God while we're in the purpose. See, in the very moment that you were helping that person, you experience the presence of God. God, we want to be a people that experience sustaining and lasting joy. God, help us to walk in your purpose and to walk in your presence. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Come on, give me the best amen you got today. Yeah, yeah. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap today? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.